Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Well, good morning. It's good to be back here with you again this morning. You know, it's funny how the Lord works. As Miss Connie mentioned, that we didn't get that, that the girls did until around noon yesterday, I guess, when I finally uh, finally checked on it. And, and uh, as I was listening to them recite it this morning in the truck on the way up here, talking about what the colors of the flag represent, it was an awesome thing because it sort of goes in line with what I was planning to talk about this morning, and, and we had no we had no clue that it was going to correlate like that. So I wanted to. Uh, we're going to be looking at a couple of different passages of scripture this morning. Uh, one being Hebrews chapter eleven, and the other being Joshua chapter two. And we're going to be talking about the subject of faith and what color is your faith. Now let's pray together. Father, we're just so thankful for the opportunity to be here and worship you, Lord. We're thankful for our country and the freedoms that we enjoy. And we're just thankful for salvation through Jesus Christ. Father, be with us now this morning as we open your word. And Father, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Is only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now when I ask the question, what color is your faith? That sort of seems like a strange question. But you know, we can tell a lot about how things are by their color. Ladies, if you've got a potted plant at home, and it's lush and green, it means everything's going okay. If it begins to turn a little bit yellow, what does that mean? Something wrong. Turns brown, something bad wrong. What about people? We see people that maybe uh, are sick, and we I know I have said this, and I know each and every one of you have said this, I saw old so-and-so in the grocery store and their color just didn't look right. Color didn't look right. We know by the color that something's not right. Guys, if you got uh, you see a tractor going down the road and it's green, you know what kind of tractor it is. John Deere. If it's orange, more than likely it's going to be a Kubota. If it's blue and it's newer, it's going to be a New Holland. But you can tell a lot of things about you tell a lot about something by the color that it is. So what color is our faith? First, we want to ask the question, what is faith? And I think Hebrews chapter 11 there mentions this in, in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I'm reading from the NIV. 
Matthew Henry is a Bible commentator from way back in the ancient days. And he says of faith this way. He said, faith demonstrates to the eye of the mind the reality of those things that cannot be discerned by the eye of the body. It is designed to serve the believer instead of sight and to be to the soul all that the senses are to the body. Basically, faith allows us to see things that we can't physically see with our eyes. It allows us to believe things that we, that we know to be true, but we just can't physically see them. Hebrews chapter 11 is, is called, uh, commonly called the Hall of Faith or the Faith Hall of Fame. And it contains notable characters in Bible history that had an extraordinary faith. And the writer of Hebrews was led by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to list these people there. And so I want to look at that chapter, Hebrews 11. Just want to point out a few of these people here were commended for their faith. In chap chapter 11 of Hebrews, in verse 4, it mentions Abel, offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And then verse 5, it mentions Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Then it go on down, verse 7, it mentions Noah, by faith when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And you skip on down, it mentions Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. It mentions by faith in verse 29, the people of Israel passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them seven days. And then verse 31, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now Rahab jumps out to us for several different reasons. One, she was, it says here she was a prostitute. She was a sinner. She's listed there with all these champions of faith. She's also, from best I can tell, the only woman listed here in this list. And also, from the best I can read and tell, she's the only non-Jewish person listed here. She's the only one that's not a Hebrew. And so we want to examine Rahab's faith this morning to see what it is that's so extraordinary about her faith that the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews to list her in this list. If you want to turn now to Joshua chapter 2, we're going to look at the life of Rahab. Joshua chapter 2, back toward the Turn left in the Bible, and uh, it's right behind the book of Deuteronomy. Joshua starts there. Give you a little bit of background about what's happening. The uh, children of Israel have been wandering in the desert for some 40 years. 
And Moses has now died, and God speaks to Joshua in chapter 1, starting at verse 2. Joshua chapter 1, chapter 1, and starting at verse 2, God says this. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Moses is gone. And God tells Joshua, get ready. We're going across the Jordan. And so Joshua, in chapter 2, decides that he wants to send out secretly two spies to sort of check out the land. Not that he doubted God, but he wanted to see kind of what they were in for, just to prepare so we're going to start there in chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We're going to read through 25 verses here. So just bear with me and hang on. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look. Some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up onto the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the forge of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof. And in verse 9 through 13, I want us to pay special attention to Rahab said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt, for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of, you, because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all that belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the man assured her. If you, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. The men said to her, This oath you have made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into your house. 
If anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we're doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Verse 21, agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. And I'll stop there. Now Rahab was a woman who was the most unlikely of people in the most unlikely place for someone to believe in the God of Israel. She was in a pagan city. She was a sinner. She was a prostitute, as this text says. But I want us to look at four things about Rahab's faith. Number one, Rahab's faith was a saving faith. Now, every other one mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 was saved by their faith. That's what the text says. Rahab was the only one that's mentioned that was saved from the destruction of Jericho because of her faith. Others had an opportunity to believe. She, she mentions that we have heard about all the things that the God of Israel has done and all the things that you've done as a group of people. And they had 40 years to watch this play out, to watch God's grace play out on this group of people that He had chosen. 40 years to hear about the wonders that had been taking place, how He fed those hundreds of thousands of people in the desert, and how He protected them, how He led them from one place to another. They had plenty of time. But her salvation was not only a physical one, saving her from destruction. It's also spiritual. Rahab had obviously heard the Word of God and she had heard about what God had done and it had changed her heart and she was open and willing and receptive to God. And in James chapter 2, it recounts her faith. It talks about the messengers that she received. It didn't call them spies in James chapter 2. It calls them messengers. I tell you, if your heart is open and receptive to spiritual matters, God is not going to pass up the opportunity to, to send someone to share the good news with you. I look back and you think about that happening when Philip was in Acts chapter 8 and he was sent to intercept the Ethiopian eunuch whose heart was ripe and he was ready. And he came to faith because God had sent Philip who was willing and he sent him down there and he intercepted that Ethiopian eunuch who, who was reading in the book of Isaiah. And he shared with him about the good news. And that man became a believer because of that. God is not going to miss an opportunity when someone reaches out in faith and says, I want to know more about you, God. I want to seek your face. Rahab had a saving faith. And she hangs that beautiful scarlet rope in the window. Now, I want to talk about the significance of that in a minute. We'll circle back around to it, but there's significance to that color, that scarlet rope. Rahab had a saving faith, but she also had a stable 
faith. She was against all odds in a pagan city living a sinful lifestyle. But by God's grace, she had faith. And it was stable. How difficult is it to be the only one standing up for what is right? There's times in our lives when we have been in that situation where we felt like we were standing up for God and nobody else was. It's just a lonely, difficult place to be in. Maybe some of you have been in that same situation. One preacher said it this way, a dead fish always floats downstream, but a living fish is going to swim against the current and strive to succeed. Rahab had a stable faith. And you can imagine the inner struggle that was going on inside her, in her heart, in her mind, as she was the only one that believed that this God was going to do what He said He was going to do. Scripture tells us that uh, later on that, that everyone in that town was destroyed but her and her family. She was the only one. And you can imagine that, how that weighed on her heart and mind as she questioned herself, questioned her faith as many of us have done so many times, is what I'm believing true. And she also had to put up with the, the constant outside influences. Do you really believe, Rahab? As she wrestled with the, the voice of unbelief, you can imagine, I imagine her hearing conversations in town, people talking about the Israelites and even though they were fearful of them and had seen everything that they had done and heard about what they had done, they still didn't believe. Those Israelites across the river, there's no bridge. How are they going to get over here to us? Plus, the river's flooded right now. It's harvest season. It said that, that uh, the Jordan River was out of its banks later on. They were at the widest part almost. There's no way they can get all those people across that river without a bridge. They'll have to go way up in the mountains to where the mountain pass is narrow to cross. And then by the time they get all the way back down here, they will have encountered several different cities before they reach Jericho. And the Canaanites are strong. They'll never make it. They'll be defeated before they reach here. And so, as fate would have it, they walked across the Jordan on dry land. So you can imagine Rahab thinking to herself secretly in her heart, maybe now, will anyone else believe? Surely they'll believe now as they have made it across the river. They, nobody thought they could do it. God helped them do it, and I knew He could. Surely they'll believe now. But no. We have high walls. What we've built here is good enough. I thought about Adam and Eve just as a side note. When they were in the Garden of Eden and they sinned, they realized they had sinned. They tried their best to cover it up, to cover their nakedness with fig leaves. And I imagine they probably thought pretty high of themselves once they got those garments made out of fig leaves proud of themselves and what they had accomplished. They had covered up 
the wrong they had done. But then later that evening, they get encounter, an encounter with the Holy God. And all their efforts melt away and pale in the presence of a holy God who covers them with animal skins. But the people still don't believe and Rahab is thinking surely they will. In the first day, they march around the city wall not making a sound other than this, the priest blowing the horns, the ram's horns. You kind of wonder if Rahab had a little doubt when all that took place. She was expecting something big. They marched around the city and didn't say a word. But she still had that scarlet cord hanging in the window. And I can imagine as Rahab didn't know the significance of that color, but I can imagine all the Israelites did. And I thought about as they marched around the city and they looked up and saw that scarlet cord in that window. They knew what that meant. And so for six more days after that, they marched around the city. Rahab, you still believe Rahab? You're insane. You're crazy. That's all they're going to do is march around and blow their horns. You're not going to get in here. And then we know what happened on day seven. Rahab had a saving faith. She had a stable faith that, that was stable and steadfast and unwavering the whole time. Thirdly, she had a sanctifying faith. We read in Joshua that after the city was overtaken and, and then everything in the city, man, woman, child, and beast, was destroyed. Except for Rahab and her mother, and father, and brother, and sisters, and all that belonged to them. They were saved from destruction. But then Joshua chapter 6, verse 25 says that she lives among the Israelites to this day. At the time this was written, Rahab was still alive and she was living among the Israelites. And she ended up marrying into a prominent family in, in Israel. She married a man named Salmon. And together they had a son named Boaz who just happened to marry a girl named Ruth who had a son named Obed who had a son named Jesse who had a son named David who became king of Israel. You see, Rahab was the great-great-grandmother of King David. And she falls squarely in the ancestral line of Christ. And I think that's significant because She's a Gentile. And I think that should tell us that God is no respecter of persons. He's the God of the Jews and the God of the Greeks. He died for all men. And that's significant. Rahab had a saving faith. Rahab had a stable faith. Rahab had a sanctifying faith. But lastly, I would like to think Rahab had a scarlet faith. You remember we talked about the fact that scarlet symbolized something in Bible times. It symbolizes the blood. 
What's significant about blood in the Bible? Hebrews 9 and verse 22 says this. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. And though Rahab didn't realize it probably at the time, when she hung that scarlet cord in the window above her head, she was effectively saying, I'm covered by the blood. And then when we think about the Israelites as they're about to be ushered out of Egypt, and Moses tells them to paint the doorpost and the top of the doorframe with the blood of the Passover lamb, they were effectively saying, we're covered by the blood. And then, as they get out into the desert and God gives Moses the instructions for the tabernacle, and gives them instructions on how they're to camp, this is so cool. They're to, they're to camp in a certain way and they're, they're, the tabernacle is to set up in the middle. And the tribe of Judah to the east, 186,000 people straight to the east. Then 151,000 to one direction, 157,000 the other direction, 108,000 the other direction. Looking down from heaven, it makes the shape, perfect shape of a cross. And this is even more cool. The tabernacle was right in the middle. And one of the four coverings, guess what color it was? Goat's hair dyed scarlet. So God could look down from heaven and see a picture of the cross and a scarlet red in the middle and know that He was going to shed His own blood for the salvation of these people, for all man. Interesting enough, the Israelites derived this scarlet dye from an insect, a worm in fact. In fact, the Hebrew word for scarlet, and I'm going to try to pronounce it, is spelled T-O-L-A apostrophe A-T-H. Tola'a. Tola'a. Simply means scarlet worm or crimson worm. Let me tell you a little bit about this worm. It reproduces one time in its life. The female worm, when she's about to lay her eggs, she climbs up on a tree and she lays her eggs in the wood and she permanently attaches her body to that tree. And as she dies, she secretes this scarlet color that's in her body and covers her children with it. And they spend the rest of their lives with that permanent scarlet mark. I know someone else who climbed upon a tree and poured out His blood for us. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 22 is a psalm that is about the cross. It was written about a thousand years before Christ came on the scene. But I want to look at that just a second. Psalm 22. And you're familiar with this, but we're going to look at some of this. The first verse of that psalm, you see if you, this, any of this rings a bell. As, as we read this, see how it compares with the words of Christ as He hung on the cross. Verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from saving me? Verse 6. Pay very close attention to this. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? And our Lord Jesus said he was a worm. Kind of makes me wonder if he wasn't thinking about this. Written a thousand years before he came on the scene. So Rahab had a saving faith. She had a stable faith. She had a sanctifying faith. And she had a scarlet faith. Let me ask you this morning. What color is your faith? What color is your faith? What color represents your faith? You have faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ saves us from sin? That's the only thing we can have hope for is salvation through His blood. I want to ask you one more question. You think about this today. All these people that or in the book of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit inspired the writer to list their names there. If God were to rewrite the book of Hebrews today, if He were to commission it to be rewritten today, would your name be there in that list? Would mine? If we're covered by the blood, the answer to that question is yes. God calls us. He, he climbed upon that tree. He suffered. He bled and died and rose again the third day so that we might have life and be saved. If we just put our hope and our trust and our faith in Him. If you've not done that, would you do that today? Is the Lord speaking to your heart in some way? There may be some sin in your life that you need to put under the blood. God's altar is always open. You do as the Lord leads your heart this morning. Let's pray. The Father in heaven, we're just so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for the scarlet, red, crimson blood of Jesus, Lord, that saves us from our sins if we just put our faith and trust in him. Father, forgive us where we failed you. Forgive us where we have not lived out our faith in a way that others can see it. Help us to do just that this week, Lord. Be with us as we go this morning, Lord. And then, Father, if your Holy Spirit is speaking to someone's heart in some way today, Lord, I just hope and pray that as they have this time of reflection on you, Lord, that, that you will do your work in their heart and draw them as you drew Rahab and as you drew all these others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.